Thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our special guest speaker encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Well, hey, City Church family, it's great to be joining you today. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers Kind of interesting, if you look up the word father in the dictionary, this is the literal definition, a male parent, a man who has begotten a child. Like, wow, really? Actually, I love the fact that the Bible gives us a deeper definition in both the Hebrew and the Greek for father, a strong leader, a nourisher, a protector of the household, an uplifter. We are grateful for all of the fathers who bring their strength, their leadership, their sacrifice, invest into their families. Happy Father's Day to you. We're grateful for you. Well, my name is Brad. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona with my beautiful wife, Noelle, of 20 years. I have four amazing children, Jackson, Tyler, Angelina, and Chase, and I serve as the senior executive pastor of Gateway Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, you might not know this, uh, but we're family. Now, I'm not talking about like family, like God's family. No, I mean like we are family. I have known your senior pastor, Brent, and his lovely wife, Nicole, for 28 years. In fact, we've grown up together. Our families have grown up together. Uh, I have had the opportunity over the years to speak at City Church, to be a part of all of the incredible leaders that you see before you. And I love City Church, I love its diversity. You show us what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. You are an amazing group of people. Now, Pastor Brent, he has been a big brother to me, and our relationship started in pain. In fact, when I met him for the first time at 17, uh, we were going to Bible school. He was 22 at the time. We were on the basketball court, and many of you know that Pastor Brent is a little aggressive, and he plays every sport like he plays hockey. So he actually drove his shoulder into my face, split my lip open, and somehow, some way, he and I became roommates and great friends. I'm grateful for him. Um, I'm also grateful for Dr. and Mrs. Coulter, who have been an incredible strength and pillar and have raised up an amazing family and an amazing church. So I just want to honor them and say hello to them. Well, Today I want you to open your Bibles to two places, Matthew 7 and 1 Kings 19. I want you to take out a notebook, paper, pencil, something to write with. Now, not every word that I am going to say is worth writing down, but every word that's worth remembering is. So the title of my message today is The Practice of Integration. And point number one, just to get started is let's bring some clarity to integrity. Let's bring some clarity to integrity. Now, you might want to write this down, but definitions, defining words, the definitions drive your thoughts, and thoughts drive emotions, and emotions drive behavior. So if you get a wrong definition of a word or something, you begin to force that into your thoughts and your beliefs, and your beliefs begin to drive something that's not true. So I have a question for you. How do you define integrity? How do you define integrity? Now remember, an incorrect definition leads you down an incorrect direction, and you end up in an incorrect destination. Now, 
Many years ago, my brother, who is a mechanical engineer, he uh, was working on a project. So he works on aviation, automotive, aerospace, defense uh, type work. And he told me something that really transformed my perspective of integrity. And he told me, hey, today I'm going to be doing an integrity test on an Airbus A350XW. And when he said it, it made me stop. And I was like, how do you test integrity? So he went on to explain to me that they were testing the integrity on this airplane by putting it through a stress test. In other words, they were going to test the integrity of this airplane by putting it in a wind tunnel and putting a mass of force and wind against the plane until they began to see the wing rip off or something deteriorate or fall apart. And that simple picture began to challenge my understanding of the word integrity. So if you look it up in the dictionary, the actual definition you're given is the quality of being honest, having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. I think for many of us, if we think about how we define integrity, it's doing the right thing. But there's a second definition that says the state of being whole and undivided. So a proper definition of integrity is not the outcome of doing everything right. Really, it's the process of wholeness and completeness because the root word of integrity, integer, means a whole. So when we think about it as it relates to uh, testing the integrity of an airplane, when the wing rips off, you don't throw the airplane away. What you do is you reinforce the area that is actually falling apart. You strengthen it. Now, in our lives, for many of us, because we've defined something like integrity to mean doing the right thing, we don't recognize that many of us go through stress in life, difficulty emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally, financially, professionally. And so when our life begins to disintegrate, rather than uh, repairing, restoring, and reinforcing the areas that are beginning to fall apart... We think there's something wrong with us. We think there's something bad with us. And I want to help us to begin to understand the practice of integration. Now, I think many of us define a lot of, a lot of words, especially in Scripture, we, we define them incomplete, with an incomplete understanding and picture. So for many of us, if we were to define the word purity, we would say that means living right. But that's an incomplete definition. Matthew 5.8 5, says that the pure in heart will see God. It has more to do with how we see something rather than living right. Now, that's a byproduct, but if we can't see correctly, we end up having debris on our lens and we can't actually walk into what God has in store for us. Or the word repentance. Most of us would define that word as feeling sorry or bad for something that we have done. But if we look at it scripturally, the word actually means to think again, to have another thought, to change your thinking, to bring your thinking in alignment with God's thinking. And then last but not least is the word holiness. Now many of us have defined the word holiness incompletely as well sanctified, set apart, divine of God. Some of us mean, think it means not wearing makeup, unapproachable. All of us have these ideas. But the root of this word holiness actually comes from the simplicity of health and wholeness. Now what would it be like if your definitions of words like integrity or holiness in alignment with what God says and what God has in mind actually was this picture of wholeness. 
that when God was leading us to holiness or the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was more of a teacher and a guide leading us to health and wholeness or the best possible life. God is interested in sending his son not to just forgive us, but to restore us and for us to grasp a hold of it. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Many of us have thought that when it comes to our spiritual life, that it has to do with just one very narrow, small uh, area of life, when in reality, God sends his son Jesus to show us how life and uh, our spirit, whole spirit, soul, and body is meant to come to completeness or wholeness. And we're going to talk about that practice today. Now, what hinders holiness? What hinders health and wholeness in our lives? Condemnation, shame, unworthiness, a sense of impossibility to measure up to God's standard, complexity. Now, quite my question for you is, What would it be like if you gave up your view and opinion, your bias, the religious shroud for God's view and opinion? What if you gave up the view and opinion of it being something so distant, but it was something more integrated? What if God's deepest desire was to see you healthy physically, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, financially, and professionally? And indeed, that is what he has in mind. Now, Jesus was integrated. He was more than just a servant leader. He was an integrated leader. Think about it. Think about the life of Jesus. Think about how often he was outside walking, how he sat down relationally in meals with the disciples, how he got away into silence, solitude, and stillness, how he knew when it was his time when he had been exhausted, when he was uh, being tempted in, in the wilderness and basically he had reached a point of exhaustion. The Bible says that the angels, they came and they ministered to them. They brought him food. So if Jesus had needs, then you and I as humans have needs. And God's desire is for us to follow the example of Jesus to learn to be integrated and to be whole. Psalms 139, it says this. The psalmist says in verse 13 and 14, Thank you, God, for making me wonderfully complex. Wonderfully complex. Psalms 109, 22 says, I am seriously needy and afflicted. Now, many of us don't like hearing the concept that we have needs, but here's what I would say. When you think about being needy and the fact that it's resounding throughout Scripture, when you think about that, I want you to, for just a second, think about a Ferrari. Now, how many of you understand that a Ferrari is very much a high-performance vehicle, and with it comes lots of needs and expenses? But at the same time, you could say that a Ferrari is, in fact, needy. It's high uh, maintenance, and it's high performance, and it's in high maintenance. And so are we. You and I both, when we come to understand this, it allows us to realize that self-care isn't selfish, it's good stewardship. And when we learn to take care of ourselves physically, emotionally, when we learn to take care of the relationships in our, in our lives and understand what we need, we begin to come into alignment with the picture that Jesus had in mind, which is one of integrity and integration. Matthew 7, 24, it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine 
and puts them into practice. He's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, a couple things to note there. The primary framework of Jesus' words were not, for, for most of us, we grew up and we, th- we think about the words of Jesus by the scriptures that we learn to memorize and quote. Like, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. But do you realize that the majority of the frameworks of the words of Jesus that we're called to hear were in the form of parables and, or stories and questions. Over 300 questions Jesus uh, asks in the New Testament. Now, how often have you reminded and, rem- and, and put to memory those questions that he asked? How many times in Genesis when God asks uh, Adam, where are you? Have you quoted that, you know, over and over and over again? Or where Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda, will you be made whole? How many times have you taken that and over and over again? But then he goes on to say, put them into practice. Put them into practice. The person who practices those things He's going to be the, like the wise person who builds his house on the rock. Now, can you imagine learning to play hockey or to swim or ice skate or karate or play baseball just in a classroom without any practice? No, it's almost unimaginable. So the first point that we must get is let's bring some clarity to integrity. Now, point number two is this. Honesty gives birth to integration. Honesty gives birth to integration. Now, there's a Hebrew word found in Genesis 3, and it's this word etsev, etsev. And, and it's the word pain. Now, in Genesis 3, it's talking about the pain of childbirth. But the word is actually what's referred to as a, a homophone, which means it has dual meanings. So we see in Genesis 3 the pain of childbirth, but which we know gives way to the beauty of the birth of the child. But there's another word uh, for etsev, and it means to exercise creativity. In other words, there is a pain that produces creativity, that produces beauty. Now, what we're going to need to grasp a hold of is that there is good pain. Good pain, like looking at things that we don't want to look at, admitting what we don't want to admit, confronting what we don't uh, want to confront, us taking responsibility for things in our lives, for us uh, going through the pain of becoming an honest person, assessing and understanding where we are. Now, I bring that up because in Genesis 3.9, which I had just mentioned, God comes to Adam after Adam and Eve have sinned, they have uh, partaken of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they have countered what God has said about them, that they were made in God's image, that they were like God. The enemy comes in and he whispers, and now God is walking, and and literally the translation is that God is coming to bring restoration, finds Adam and Eve uh, covered in fig leaves, and he asks this powerful question, where are you? He calls to the man, where are you? And God doesn't ask this question uh, so that he can learn more about Adam. He asks this question so that Adam can learn more about himself. And this question he asks to you and I, so that not so he can know more about you because he's God, he's omniscient, he knows everything he needs to know about you, but he brings this question up for you and I so that we can take a look at ourselves and come to understand ourselves. And this is what honesty does for us. 
Honesty allows us to come to an awareness of where we are. And if we're going to experience the health and wholeness and integration that God has for us, then we're going to have to get comfortable with the facts of our lives. Physically, what are those, what are those facts? The only way we're going to grow and become healthier is to understand where we are. So what do we have to do? We have to look at how much sleep we actually get. We might have to step on the scale. We might have to get a physical. We might have to actually look at what we've eaten. The only way for us to get healthier, the only way for us to get better and to grow in that area is for us to get honest. What about emotionally? How are we supposed to view emotions? Well, the way I'd say it is emotions, if we're picturing a car, where should they be positioned, positioned at in our lives? Are emotions meant to be in the driver's seat? Are emotions meant to be stuffed in the trunk? No, they're not. Emotions aren't meant to guide our lives. They're meant to be the gauges for our lives. So emotions are on the dashboard. Now, we can see this all throughout Scripture at these different points, and we're going to bring that up. I mean, if you read Lamentations, uh, the book of Lament, there is something that has gotten lost in us possibly under the denomination or just a bias or a bent that we have that we haven't really understood areas like our emotions. But it's all throughout Scripture. David writes very openly and honestly about where he is. And if we're going to grow and if we're going to become healthy and whole in our lives, the picture that God has for us, then we're going to have to actually be honest. What are the facts about your relationships? What are the facts about where you are physically, spiritually, as it pertains to receiving God's love, uh, loving God, loving others, uh, relationally? Uh, a few years ago, I began to look at, honestly, where I was at in my dating relationship with my wife. We, we work together, and we have a lot going on with our kids and responsibilities, and the honest assessment that I came up with as it pertained to our relationship is that our date nights weren't that great. Our date nights weren't great. So I didn't, I didn't fall apart and have, uh, you know, a, a large attachment to emotions with it. I just began to ask myself, well, well, what do I want? What do I want in our date nights? And so I wanted better conversation because every time we came together, it seemed like we were talking about business, things going on in the church, our kids, you know, what, what was happening. And so I wanted there to be creativity. I wanted there to be great conversation. I wanted us to just connect. And so from that honest uh, view of where we were at relationally, I sat down in order to get to the health and wholeness of what I wanted, and I made a very simple list, and we're going to talk about that in a second here, and it was, well, what do I need to do to get there? I need to buy a magazine of the top 50 places to take my wife out to eat. I bought some conversation cards so that when we sat down, I could uh, discover and search out, you know, her heart and find some things. It was very simple, but it had gotten complex. Why? Because I hadn't honestly assessed and looked at the dashboard and said, where are we? So here's a question for you. What areas of your life, physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, professionally, what areas of your life have you not made an honest assessment? Don't be scared and don't feel like you have to move beyond the facts just yet. But look at where you are, assess where you are, write it down. And point number three is this. Simplicity is key. 
if we're going to practice integration, if we're going to practice health and wholeness where God is leading us to, simplicity is key. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, but he said that growth is, is not easy. It's, not, it's really not the goal for it to be easy. Actually, the growth part is, and he says this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So in other words, simple isn't necessarily easy. Simple just means that it, it, it's not hard. Uh, the steps that I took to be able to move towards health in the relationship with my wife was not hard, but it had gotten overwhelming and complex because of a lot of things that were going around. And we'll see this all throughout Scripture. When we begin, begin to assess where we are, then we're able to understand where God can come in and fill the gaps, where we need to step up and respond to maybe it's exhaustion or pain or hurt or whatever so that we can move forward. Now, Jesus, he comes to restore that to us. And again, I'm going to highlight this, and then we're going to talk about another story, but Matthew 4.11, it says... And the angels came and ministered to him, Jesus, bringing him food and serving him. So if Jesus had needs and Jesus simply was able to overcome the exhaustion, him being tired by receiving food from the angels, then you and I maybe need to take another look at the simplicity that comes with actually becoming integrated and whole. Now in 1 Kings 19, uh, you know the story in 1 Kings 18 where Elijah has had this confrontation with the prophets of Baal. And God does an incredible, you know, uh, an incredible miraculous uh, experience for Elijah, right? He rains down fire, burns up the altar, and then, you know, Elijah is on this high, high. Then immediately he gets chased by Jezebel and he's on a low, low. And we find him in 1 Kings 19, right after this miraculous, incredible experience, wanting to take his life, wanting to end his life. This is Elijah wanting to end his life. And, and here's, here's the understanding. Elijah is at this point disintegrated. Is he bad? Is he evil? No, he's human. Well, why? Because he's tired. His, his, his emotions have run the gamut. He's exhausted from trying to escape, from trying to run, and here he is wrestling with the depletion of that, and he takes a nap. He sleeps, and then God comes and gives and brings him food and tells him for, to take 40 days to really recharge his batteries. Now, I know for many, they don't really see these things as spiritual, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, these are deeply profound and spiritual. And the reality is, is that all of life, just like we read from 1 Thessalonians, God's desire is that we would see wholeness in spirit and soul and body in all these areas. And Elijah is, is in that place. And Elijah comes to essentially be restored. And God does this time and time in, in, again in Scripture. He brings order to chaos. And what do we call something that's out of order? We call that disorder or chaos. 
God has an order for each of these areas of our lives, right? When we take these areas physically, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, financially, professionally, there is an order to each of them. Most of my life when it came to the spiritual pillar, I had heard, love God, love people, love God, love people. But I had left out uh, one important part of that. 1 John 4 says, we love him because he first loved us. When I prioritize letting God love me, then cause my heart to respond to his love and made loving others a natural just outflow, a natural flow. And it brought more health, less works righteousness, me trying to do something to make God happy. And so it's important for us to find our cadence when it comes to each of these areas of our life. Rest is important. All of these things have a domino effect on the other. You just, let me ask you this question. What do babies do when they don't know how to ask for what they need? Yeah, they cry and they get mad. Well, that would describe most adults, right? If we don't get enough sleep, if we don't get the food uh, that we need, if we're tired and exhausted emotionally or relationally, we've been through hurt or pain. And what we need to do is to pay attention and to assess those, those things. We need to find our rhythm. We need to find our cadence. We see it all throughout Scripture, Sabbath, the festivals. Everywhere in Scripture, you see that God brings order. He tells us in Psalms 90.12, right? He says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So let me give you a definition of cadence. A specific rate of receiving specific things in order to operate according to your specific design. Now let me read this passage to you, because this isn't complex. Sometimes we complicate. It's very simple, but this is what God has said Oftentimes, over and over again in Deuteronomy 30, he says this, verses 11 through 15, he says, this command I'm giving you today, it's not too difficult for you. It's not beyond your reach. It's not kept in heaven so distant that you must must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips. It's in your heart so that you can obey it, so that you can respond to it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Simple. God hasn't hidden anything from you. And when you begin to understand that his greatest desire, when you have the correct definition of some of the words that have gotten complicated and you begin to realize that God's desire is for us to hear these words and to put them into practice and when we actually begin to steward ourselves towards health and wholeness we begin to come into alignment with more of a picture that God had in mind when he created you when he created me you and I are made in the image of God when my son Jackson was four years old He came to us one night, and this is just crazy. He came to me one night, and he's got total joy and excitement all over his face. And he's like, Dad, Dad, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. And I looked at him, and I I was like, son, how do you know? And he's like, because I have pain in my legs. I have pain in my legs. I have growing pains. And when I heard him say that, I was like, what a, what a, what a, realization and revelation 
My son was recognizing from his perspective that the pain that he was experiencing was actually causing growth inside of him. I mean, how many of us, when we go through difficult times and challenges, circumstances and obstacles, rather than having the perspective of it bringing about something beautiful inside of us, instead, we tend to see it from a different perspective. But here's what my son caused me to realize, that growth, when I really know that I'm growing healthy, my perspective shift, my mindset begins to shift, my language shifts, my actions shift. And oftentimes, when it comes to understand fully what God has in store for us, what he's asking is, would you practice integration? Would you practice becoming whole? Not looking for perfection. He's perfect. Just looking for progress. Now, I want to bring up one thing. Because how we approach an understanding of having a relationship with God is, is huge. And many of us have heard or been asked a question like, have you accepted Jesus into your heart? But I think there's a, a better question to start with. Do you know that Jesus accepts you into his heart? Many people will, will ask a question, do you believe in, in Jesus? Well, I would say there's a, a question that can start before that is, do you understand that Jesus, do you understand that God, he believes in you? Well, do you love God? Again, the first question is, do you understand that God loves you? Now, you may be watching this today, and maybe you've had some ideas and some thoughts about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a person who follows after Jesus, and you, you thought it meant to restrict this or don't do that or don't do this. Let me help you to understand what it means to come into a relationship with him. It means to receive his love, to receive his view and his opinion. And his view and opinion is that God sent his son so that you and I could understand how we might find the rhythm of health and wholeness in this life. The one who created it all comes to show us, to give us a teacher and a guide to show us how to live the best possible life. And you may not think that about people who follow Jesus, but I'm here to tell you that is 100% what God has in mind for you. He loves you. He believes in you. He accepts you. And he gives you the opportunity to simply respond to his love, to respond to his heart as a good father, to show you how to get to health, no matter where you are, no matter what you've gone through, no matter the pain. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for every person who's watching today. God, I pray that you would paint a clear picture of how good you are and your simple desire to lead, to coach each and every person to health and wholeness. Father, I thank you that as we begin to take inventory, and to assess where we are, uh, Lord, that we would begin to recognize, not in condemnation, not in shame, but in honest uh, realization of where we are. 
and begin to reach out to ask for the things that we need uh, from our church family, from our friends, uh, from those who are surrounding us. God, I pray for your peace. I pray for every person who is saying yes to you today, Lord, that you would come in, that you would begin to speak and whisper softly to their hearts how much you value them, how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at City Church GTA. Thanks again for joining us.